From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives, podcast I do uh, twice a week, barely twice a week this week. Apologize for that. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me for the next half hour or so. I'm, uh, I'm a little worse for wear. Uh, I'm not like sick. I'm just physically, physically drained. Um, this week, uh, I work at a pretty... Uh, warm environment and it got warmer because it's summer it's like 90 plus where i work and it really takes a lot out of you and by yeah i mean me i'm a little haggard so please bear with me uh we're supposed to get some rough weather this weekend so my wife uh yesterday thursday went down to martinsville to pick up our girls and they're they're back home they're doing okay and uh, they're over at grandma's right now uh, just three houses down, and it looks like we got rough weather coming through today. I don't really mind that so much uh, when it's supposed to be really hot, hot as hell, uh, because I'm thinking maybe this kind of cools things down a little bit, but after a storm, if that daytime heating hits again, it could be a little unbearable. I don't know yet. Um, I'm not a weatherman. I used to play a half-ass one in small-town radio, so we'll see what happens here. Um, there was something I forgot to tell you last uh, last go round. Last week I went to a, an ear, nose, throat uh, specialist because, as you know, uh, maybe you don't know, but uh, I have had uh, tinnitus for like uh, the better part of a decade now, probably about uh, fifteen years or so. It's it's been a while. Basically, I've got a ringing in my right ear and it does not stop. Uh, it's been with me uh, throughout most of my radio career. Uh, I dealt with it. I don't have trouble sleeping. Uh, so I know some people with the condition do and everything, but it just it's it's always been there. And uh, a couple months back, I had a dizzy spell. I, I think it might have been because I was sick um, or medication thing, because uh, I haven't had it since. But it was just like anytime I would turn my head toward the right, and that's where the tinnitus is. It's in my right ear. Uh, I would get a little dizzy. Uh, it's since gone away. I haven't experienced it since. Um, then I went to the ear, nose, throat doctor. Maybe thinking, no, maybe they can uh, help out my ear. They said that there's not a whole lot they can do. Uh, they are going to give me an MRI here in September. They don't think it's anything terrible. I don't think it's going to be anything terrible either because I have, uh, if I've had this for 15 years, chance of it being uh, worse than benign, if there's anything slim to nil i'm not really worried about that i am worried about um the mri machine because my wife has had an mri done on her foot and she says yeah it's it's a little tight you know she's giving me this description and she's trying to ease my mind about the whole mri process and it just made me feel more claustrophobic than anything like i was actually she's telling me this as i'm driving the car i'm tensing up um but I think the sad reality is, uh, I just it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. And uh, you know, somebody who wore, wore headphones for the better part of his life, somebody who liked loud rock music for a good chunk of his life, you know, I'm lo I'm losing hearing in that ear, and even in my good ear, my left ear, there is some hearing loss, not as bad. But I am 43, um, so I, I have to take good care of my ears. But I. I I got a little sad when they said, yeah, if, uh, if there's nothing with the MRI, I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. 
because I have not heard my wife's voice without that ringing in my right ear since I've known her, nor my kids. Um, and there are pieces of music that I that very few pieces of music because a lot of modern music sucks uh, that I have never heard without that ringing in my right ear. And it's kind of weird to think about in those terms. But it's just, it's one of those things that kind of sucks. I have to deal with, I have been dealing with, and uh, just got to kind of roll with the punches on this one. It, it sucks, but uh, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. Uh, okay, so a couple of RIPs. One to uh, Randy uh, Mesner, one of the co-founders of the Eagles. Uh, he left the band a while back. He was the bassist. He was a singer. He sung on some of their songs. Uh, died at the age of 77. Had had a host, host of uh, health issues. Uh, but that's just uh, another one gone from a, a bygone era where, you know, you, you had superstar bands. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the band itself still planning on touring. Uh, Don Henley, I think uh, Joe Walsh, and whoever the hell else is left with the Eagles. I mean, it's still most of my mind that Glenn Fry is no longer with us either, but... Uh, R.I.P. Peter Randy. Uh, this R.I.P. Uh, comes with a special message from Morrissey, of all people. And I will have this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page here, um, if, if not now, soon. Uh, but uh, Sinead O'Connor unfortunately died this week. She was in her 50s. Unfortunate. Um, and, and a lot of people believe she may have taken her own life. We'll have to wait for... Uh, more word on that because she's she's dealt with a lot a, a, a whole host of mental health issues and uh, Morrissey who uh, he he attracts controversy like a lightning rod man all he has to do is say say one damn thing and uh, you know there's the controversy he gets into it with fans and then, by the way I got one with a, an artist getting into it with fans here in just a few moments but he gets into it with fans he gets into it with music critics he gets into it with everybody but he's dead on when he talks about Sinead O'Connor um it, he he posted this online and he's talking about how basically the music industry kind of threw her away you know everybody remembers her one big hit with uh, the Prince cover uh, she actually had a few, uh, a couple of critically acclaimed albums that uh, had songs go on to alternative rock radio. I remember that back in the 90s. But he says that uh, once they were done with her, they threw her away. You know, she'd been struggling for years with mental health issues. And then once, once she passed, you have all these glowing remembrances from the music industry about how great Sinead O'Connor was. And he was taking them to task for this. And even people who can't stand Morrissey was like, yeah, right on. Great take. It is a great take. Um, and let's, you know, let's go one further. Whitney Houston, great voice, one of the best singers of all time. Uh, but then she married Bobby Brown. She got into drugs and she became kind of a joke. I mean, she was a punchline. She wasn't what she used to be. And then she passed on. And there was all these glowing remembrances of Whitney and how she was. You know, Morrissey's point was like, you know, here you have somebody who's struggling and people just kind of leave her alone. 
And then once she's gone, the easy way, the easy thing to say or do is you just, you know, you know, compliment how great they were because you didn't do anything to help them out in real life. And that was kind of Whitney's thing. I mean, she, she may have had some people uh, who tried to help her, but for the most part, either they, people kept their distance from Whitney Houston or they enabled bad behavior. A uh, friend of mine, former co-worker of mine, Jonathan Rogers, even went one further. He talked about that uh, South Park episode with Britney Spears. I'm not going to go too much into it. Same principle. Same principle. So, uh, it's it's unfortunate that Sinead O'Connor lost her life, um, but the music industry is a cold bitch, basically. And what Morrissey writes is dead on. Give it a look when you get a chance. And again, it's on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, good things are happening for the LeBron James family. And I'm being serious this time. Uh, not the world's biggest LeBron fan, but his son, Bronny, uh, collapsed during a basketball workout earlier this week, I think with USC. Uh, cardiac arrest. Scary shit. He's fine. He's been discharged from the hospital. LeBron James issued... Uh, the the all, all clear, like, all is good, all is well with the James gang. So uh, congrats to him and his son, and hopefully you guys appreciate the uh, the second chance here. Because that is scary as a parent. It really is. Um, but uh, I will get back to criticizing LeBron James about other things. This is just something that, uh, well, I mean, it's, like I said, like, when you're a parent, you worry about shit like this all the time. And when you when you get uh, the thumbs up, the all clear, it's like a weight off your shoulders, man. So, there. That's, that's all I can really say about that right there. Um, okay, so let's get into this Doja Cat controversy because it's funny as hell. Uh, and uh, I'm being called an old geezer by uh, a-holes online for my stance on it. But basically, I... What's funny is that this starts out on threads. Like, <laughs> this whole thing starts out on threads. Nobody is... This thing is crashing and burning. It's another It's another uh, well-thought-out idea by, uh, by Zuckerberg here. But uh, she was on threads, and she uh, I guess she got into it, and she talked about how some of these people that run fan sites of hers or fan pages of hers need to stop doing that get jobs and help their parents around the house base I think I think her message was don't be so damn obsessive about me and since then she's lost 200 thousand people on Instagram oh no um but uh yeah she, some people are talking about well she needs to be better appreciative of the fans and everything and I kind of get that but let's let's um let's stop right there and talk about fan sites if you are devoting your time to one person you have never effing met in your entire life. Like, like I'm not talking about, oh, I'm a fan of Doja Cat, or I'm a fan of Taylor Swift, or whoever you listen to musically. If Everybody's got different tastes. If they have songs you like, that's one thing. If there are some things in their lives you can relate to, that's another thing. But when you start putting these people on pedestals like they're gods... That's where you run into problems here. And you have these fans like, I can't believe Doja Cat isn't the goddess I made her out to be. Well, shit, Sherlock, she's human just like you and me. And uh, 
I don't think she's necessarily right, or necessarily wrong, rather. Maybe the demeanor wasn't right, but she's not wrong in that you have teenagers, young people, who are more obsessed with celebrities and wanting to be celebrity than the situations they are in right now. Like, they're more obsessed with that stuff than, say, you know, helping around the house, uh, paying attention in school, that sort of thing. That's, uh, that's the point I took away from this. So my word of advice to you is if you are running a fan site or a fan page or whatever for one artist, one actor, whatever, stop. Just stop. They don't walk on water. You can admire the work, but after a while, you're not, you're going to be disappointed. And I, and in some ways, I think some of these uh, these uh, fans are disappointed because they thought, well, Doja Cat was a goddess. No, never meet your heroes. So that's the lesson you take away from that. You go on. By the way, uh, one guy that I love and I don't necessarily agree with on everything, Dave Chappelle. Uh, he is the greatest comedian working right now. He is the rock star among comedians. To prove said uh, point, He's going on tour again this uh, this late summer, early fall. Uh, he's got a stop in Indianapolis, and he's playing at uh, the Fieldhouse down there where the Pacers play. He's playing a basketball arena. I mean, this is how big the dude is. He's in his 50s, uh, and he says things that a lot of people can relate to. He's a great comedian, and um, I don't see Hannah Gadsby doing that. Uh, performing at big-ass basketball arenas. Mm. I do have that also linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, um, which is not a fan page, by the way. It's just uh, a page where I post my uh, memes and my thoughts and my podcast links. That's just uh, me reaching out to you and oftentimes disappointing you, I'm sure. Okay, so uh, dwarves losing their jobs. I mean, if you're if you're a dwarf... And you're trying to get into Hollywood, or trying, you know, trying to, you know, make a name for yourself. It's it's kind of hard out there, right? I'm sure things aren't being uh, all that great with the uh, the writers in the acting strike going on right now either. So you're you're kind of out in the dark. Uh, you're upset that you couldn't get uh, one of those plum live action dwarf girls in uh, Snow White and the Seven uh, Berkeley Professors. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big cluster F. And now you're upset because uh, Netflix, they're rebooting uh, Willy Wonka again. And they've got Hugh Grant, through the magic of uh, makeup and technology, playing an Oompa Loompa. Playing the Oompa Loompas. Basically, uh, there's a whole army of Hugh Grants playing Oompa Loompas. Man, remember when that guy was supposed to be like the heartthrob, and now he's, he's doing that? Um... <laughs> But I mean, if if think about it, Hollywood has become so inclusive that it's become exclusive. Like it's actually costing guys and gals jobs that think that they're a good fit for those jobs, and that is uh, all because of this mentality. Like we can't stereotype. Now I don't think it's right to stereotype somebody who is a dwarf actor, but I mean. If they feel, hey, this is a paycheck, I could be one of the seven dwarves, or I could be an Oompa Loompa, why not let them do the job, for Christ's sake? Um, that That's my take on that. Uh, 
it's it's so weird. But this also goes back to Peter Dinklage a couple years back having the hissy fit about uh, this live action Snow White. He goes, well, you know, we can't we can't just have dwarves in this movie. It would be wrong. It just it would it would break my heart or or some shit like that. And of course, he can say this because he's got his. He is a successful actor. Game of Thrones has made him. He's he's done very well for himself. Um, but when uh, they decided to go with uh, just one dwarf out of seven and everybody else being magical hippies or something with Snow White, that's six dwarf jobs gone. And now you got Hugh Grant playing uh, something that's fit for a dwarf in this new Willy Wonka movie, and dwarf actors are upset about it. And I can't blame them because people have gotten to this point where we have to be outraged by everything, that their solutions lead to more effing outrage. It would have been best just to leave Snow White and Willy Wonka alone. But then again, I'm one of these old school guys that thinks, well, maybe, just maybe, we have enough reboots and maybe leave Snow White and Willy Wonka alone. This is the uh, the third take of Willy Wonka, if I'm not mistaken. We don't need any more takes. Uh, Gene Wilder was pitch perfect. You can't top perfection, man. And that's not anti-dwarf, mind you. Not wanting to make these movies. You can make other properties that have other roles for other people. That's my point. Hey. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, th there's some uh, testimony going on. Blah, 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 blah. You know, aliens might exist. Um, you know, <clears throat> Uh, non-human life forms. Blah, blah. One of these, more of these show trials uh, where people allege that there are aliens among us, crash sites in the whole nine. And Tom DeLong of Link182 retweeted that uh, aliens do exist, that he was right. And he might be. I just, I can't really buy into these, um, these public hearings. I know people are like, did you hear that? Aliens exist. Aliens exist. Um, unless we have like an Independence Day type of invasion, um, I'm going to be skeptical on this. Not necessarily that aliens exist, but uh, what's really going on behind the scenes with this sort of thing. Because it could be a diversion. Maybe it is actually aliens. I don't know. But uh, it's really hard to get excited about this sort of stuff. Hard to trust government, obviously. And, you know, I'll be honest, it's hard to trust whistleblowers because you don't see a lot of the burden of proof half the time. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to stop, step back and go, okay, I'll bird dog this for a bit. I'll see what happens, but I'm not going to jump to any conclusions right now because I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Uh, cable television still a thing. Discovery Channel, I guess, is still a thing. Uh, Shark Week is still a thing. When I was a kid, I, right before we got rid of cable, I was obsessed with sharks, and I would watch Shark Week. I would watch Jaws because uh, I thought they were really cool animals, but then it also made me a... It was weird because I really loved watching Shark Week. I really loved watching Jaws, but I was afraid to, I was afraid to take swim lessons. That that whole that whole era of my childhood was so messed up. I enjoyed looking at sharks, but I didn't want to get anywhere damn near close to them, even though a chlorinated swimming pool is nowhere close to sharks. But they've got a uh, a show on there talking about cocaine sharks. In, in light of a recent film that came out months ago. And by the way, it kind of gives you an idea of how crazy 2023 is. 
I forgot Cocaine Bear was a thing. It happened for two weeks, and it was gone. It was gone. But uh, to beat a dead horse, now there's cocaine sharks, and they're talking about how, like, sharks in the ocean will sometimes eat discarded bales of cocaine from smugglers who lose their shipment. And these shark, and, and some of the things that it does to sharks, and I'm thinking, well, these animals are already up all night eating anyway. This thing probably just speeds it all up. But uh, kind of dangerous to think about. Uh it's just a little coke. Uh, yeah, this this shark is swimming around high as f, and I almost let that slip because I'm so freaking tired right now. But uh, cocaine sharks, man. Uh, and I and I try to joke that this will be a movie now. And somebody, I, I'm forgetting who. I'm sorry because I'm just so sleep deprived right now. Said that on Tubi, the free the free streaming app. Uh, and by the way, I got some streaming stuff here too. Uh, there is a cocaine shark type movie. I've got to go and look this up now. And I've got viewing for tonight when I get off of work. Uh, I'll <laughs> pour myself a cold one and uh, just get to it. Watch Cocaine Shark if that is a thing. So the streaming thing with NPR. Yeah, uh, NPR is late to the party on this because they're talking about these uh, how these streamers, they uh, put all this money into things and... These shows don't do well, and they get pulled from the streaming service. Like, Paramount Plus is uh, one of them. Disney Plus has pulled a whole bunch of things. Remember Willow? Yeah, no one does. Uh, but Rise of the Pink Ladies, which was a prequel to Grease, uh, it was on for one season, Paramount Plus, and it was pulled. And basically, there's a lot of uh, what, what's going on is NPR's talking to some of these fans and how disappointed they are. Well, there weren't a lot of fans to begin with because if there were a lot of fans to these shows, um, they wouldn't be pulled. You wouldn't see Netflix do this with Stranger Things is what I'm getting at here. Uh, when there's a fan base, when they actually have strong numbers, those shows stay. They don't. They don't. And uh, the streaming model, uh, they're just kind of perplexed why this isn't working. Well, it's very simple why it's not working. There's only so much money to go around. You've got subscription rates. You're hoping to cash in on more subscriptions. And you're using a lot of that money to make shows that don't turn in a profit, that don't really hit the public conscious, uh, that don't do... if. If no one's talking about it, and it's very hard for a show to be talked about nowadays because there's so many damn shows, so many damn streaming options, pop culture is not pop culture anymore. It's more of a fragmented uh, culture. Uh, those shows have to go away because uh, it costs money to have them up available on those streaming platforms. And it says something about those platforms when uh, they have to pull those off. And, and that's that's what NPR is mystified by. Why are these shows being pulled and everything? And this is uh, the sticking point with the uh, the writer strike and the uh, actor strike. They want more from the streaming uh, pot, pot, you know, more from that revenue source. And everybody's talking about all this money that Bob Iger and uh, the people from Netflix and how much money they're making. Yeah, they're making money and it's probably undeserved. But there's really not a lot of money to go around for the actors and writers. And if they were to get what they wanted from this, that would mean more of an increase in subscription fees. And in this uh, economy, that's not happening. I can see people actually canceling subscriptions. It's it's uh, it's a pretty bad situation. But 
it's an amusing situation depending on where you sit, but it's a bad situation for them. But this isn't surprising to me because the streaming, it's just not going to work. You, you can't, there's only so much money to go around when it comes to subscriptions. You know, what uh, network television got right, what cable television got right, sadly, was having other people underwrite these programs in a rating system. And that meant, of course, commercials. And we all hate commercials, but commercials made it, quote-unquote, free for you to watch stuff. Yeah, there's no way in hell you could watch the NFL for free if there were no commercials during those games, as much as that sucks. Speaking of uh, employment woes, Anheuser-Busch, uh, an inside source saying that they're going to have to lay off hundreds and hundreds of people uh, because sales are low. I don't know why that would be. And it kind of sucks because I think a lot of people, when it comes to Bud Light, their argument is not with the people who actually brew the beer or distribute the beer or do things on the ground level. It's the stupid-ass marketing team that didn't know better when they gave the the beer can to an Instagram attention whore, that being Dylan Mulvaney, who is a lightning bolt of controversy. They thought, oh, well, this is inclusive, and what had ended up happening, beer drinkers left. But it's very funny to see some of the comments just to kind of show you uh, how politically... Not not just politicians, but just how people have pretty much flipped rules. How the left, a lot of people on the left, are finger-wagging others for leaving a corporation, for not being brand loyal. It used to be uh, a lot of people on the left would finger-wag if you were tied into a corporation too much. And now it's kind of become the opposite of that. And by the way, just to point out, like when the, this backlash started ha- happening and Anheuser-Busch was hemming and hawing and they didn't defend Dylan Mulvaney like a lot of people wanted them to, there were gay bars that stopped serving Bud Light. And there was never this influx of progressive beer drinkers because of this move. This one candidate, this one person with one Instagram account that had millions and millions and millions and millions of views. Yeah, it was a botched marketing attempt. And yeah, it chased away more socially conservative drinkers and it didn't bring in more progressive drinkers because they're busy with White Claw and something a little more highbrow. So it you can't blame this on people that went away. You have to blame this on the marketing department and uh, the higher ups that thought that this was a good idea. It sucks that people are losing their jobs. I get that totally. It's nerve-wracking to think. I have a job that's affected by... Uh, the economy. Everybody has a job that's affected by the economy. I get that. But if uh, people had to make cuts in their budgets, what I do would not be as important. It it wouldn't keep the household functioning. It keeps my household functioning. But my job, uh, anybody working at Anheuser-Busch, that's, that's uh, unfortunately not a need and they got screwed over these workers got screwed over by bad management by bad marketing all right i want to wrap this up with a couple of things here uh whole foods now has a system uh where it's it's a pilot program i believe i have this on the mike davidson facebook page and when i posted it a whole lot of hell knows 
hell knows were posted on this. I can't blame them, but uh, I I almost feel like some ways we're partly responsible for this. But Whole Foods has this thing where you can walk up to the checkout and it's a self-scan, okay? But you just wave your hand over it and you pay. And you go. I don't think all the cash registers at uh, Whole Foods are like this yet, but you can do that now with some of them. And I'm, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, hey, well, I mean, it costs like an arm and a leg to buy things at Whole Foods to begin with. Um, but it's it's kind of scary. You know, a lot of conspiracy theorists might be proven right on this. Mark of the Beast, that sort of thing. Um, and, of course, cashless society and determining who can buy what and when. And, and what I mean when we're partly responsible for this is like for years and years and years, we've been going more and more and more to self-checkout. We're thinking, well, that's no big deal. I can run this myself. I can scan the cans. I can scan the milk cartons. I can put in my debit card. I can put in some cash and I'm good to go. And now, now a lot of stores are moving on to exclusive self-checkout. I think there's a Walmart store out there that's going to go or was it Kroger? I, I should have bookmarked this. I'm sorry. But a major chain is doing a store where it's all self-checkout. There's not one live cashier. When I was on vacation in Amish country earlier this summer, there was a gas station. I walked in there, and it was self-checkout. You had a couple of managers walking around. But you walked in, you checked out, and you left. That was it. And now you got Whole Foods doing, well, we're just going to try this out and see what happens. Wave of the hand. Wave of the hand. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to that. As I'm sure AI is involved in this somehow. Alright, finally. Would you change your name for a sandwich? I think Subway's got this new thing where if you change your first name to Subway, you can get free sandwiches for life. All I want to say is, well, two things. One, what if I changed my name to a good restaurant? And two, uh, what if somebody named Jared wins? All right, with all that said and done, till next time, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlive. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlive.